Cheers! Start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits Radio Program. My name is Frank Santorowski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we run down everything racing. And my gosh, we have quite a show for you tonight. There are so many stories going on. Before we get into the, the long list of headlines, let me introduce you to the panel tonight. With me, as always, Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing the editor-in-chief of Motorsports Tribune and writer for IndyCar.com, Joey Barnes. I have with me Seth Eggert, our NASCAR correspondent, uh, who also works in Motorsports Tribune, and our Formula One analyst, Richard Uden. Last but not least, how's everybody doing tonight? Good, thank you. Doing good. Great. All right. Great to talk to you guys. It always is. So we've we had a, had a big weekend of racing. All, all three major series were in action. Uh, the IndyCars were at Portland. Uh, Formula One was at Monza, and the, uh, the Southern 500 down at Darlington, where Gray was there um, in, in attendance uh, covering the race for us, uh, happened as well. The winners this weekend were Takuma Sato at Portland, uh, Lewis Hamilton took the win at Monza, and uh, Brad Keselowski, who uh, hadn't had a win in the regular season this year, um, takes uh, sweeps Darlington by winning both the Xfinity and the Cup races. Um, <clears throat> along, uh, you know, but Outside of the races, there is just so much going on. Um, just look at the list of headlines here. Um, um, in IndyCar, the Mazda Road to Indy crowned their champions. Um, Indy Lights champion Pato Award. Uh, Rhinus VK takes the Pro Mazda trophy as Kyle Kirkwood wins in USF 2000. Um, we have uh, Robert Wickens uh, from his hospital bed clinching the Rookie of the Year for the uh, IndyCar series. Um Colton Herta and Pato Award coming out of the Indy Light Series will make their IndyCar debut at Sonoma, running for Harding Racing. Um, it, uh, the IndyCar schedule was released. Uh, so was the first draft of the Formula One schedule. Both of those schedules have uh, Eddie Gossage panties in a wad because he's beginning to realize that the motorsports world does not revolve around the Texas Motor Speedway. And Fernando Alonso was testing an IndyCar on a road course for the first time at Barber. In the meantime, we've got the on and off saga of Kimi Raikkonen uh, and his feast with Ferrari. But possibly, quite possibly, the biggest news of the week, Furniture Row Racing, the um, 2017 Monster Energy Cup titleists closing their doors uh, after this year. Martin Truex Jr., uh, Cole Pern, uh, looking for work next year. Uh, looks like they probably found some. So, uh, Gray, your um, 
you're you're well versed in NASCAR. We've talked about this extensively last week. So, um, yeah, what's the feel in the NASCAR garages here with uh, with this announcement on Furniture Row? Well, you know, it's a shame, and it, and a lot of people are looking at it as a as uh, as a bad sign for NASCAR. And it's no no you know no secret that NASCAR is struggling right now with sponsorship and TV ratings and fan attendance and things like that. But I think there's a little more to the story than, than just the, the um, 78 couldn't replace uh, five hour energy. It's a, it's a little bit deeper than that. And uh, from, from what we've been hearing, yeah, they were, they were shopping around for another sponsor. And, but I don't think the part of it is that they, they, they really couldn't get a sponsor. I think uh, there's some, there were some family pressures coming being brought to bear by by Barney's family, Barney Visser, we're talking about the, the owner of the '78. Um, I think uh, that they just felt that at this time uh, they had accomplished a, a lot of the goals that they'd set out. I think they'd also spent a lot more money. Uh, their family business spent a lot more money than they than they had attended to in, in the beginning, and I think that. Uh, they looked at the landscape and saw that this was a, a good time to exit uh, to exit the sport. I do feel like they could uh, they probably could have replaced Five Hour Energy with 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 you know if not one multiple sponsors uh, to get it going. Uh, but there again, you know um, we've talked about it all along. We're we're in some somewhat of an adjustment now in the sport. Uh, the rates uh, for sponsorship and things are down. Salaries are going to be uh, big name salaries for drivers and crew chiefs are also going to un- undergo an adjustment with sponsors packages being readjusted as they come up for renewal. So I don't look at it as, as totally where, where they could not find a sponsor. I just think that, you know, had they wanted to go forward, I believe they I believe they could have, and I believe they could have found the funding to go forward. Uh, I think that, uh, like I just said, it, it was it was a time when the, when the family got together and decided that this was uh, this was the time to do it. Now, the fact that their team is based in Colorado rather than in the Charlotte area, uh, or in the you know, or in a couple there's a couple of Virginia-based teams, but the, the bulk of the teams are in that Charlotte area. Might might this have been a an easier prospect to? just kind of sell out the team uh, had they been based in Charlotte and is it just because of their proximity to the rest of the sport that it's just easier for them to shut the doors and then maybe uh, you know maybe auction off the equipment uh, you know Barney had to be and I, and I said this earlier in the week Barney had to be a little bit of a maverick anyway to to do what he did to, to go and say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna field a cup team and I'm gonna do it my way and I'm gonna field it in Denver, Colorado, miles and miles away from the hub of the sport. You know, a lot of people come into our sport, a lot of co-owners come in, and first thing they do is set up shop in the in the in, in North Carolina. Barney he did it his way. And I think this is another again another way of him him, you know, he came in, did what he wanted to do, and this is his way of going out. And to that point, uh in 2013, when Kurt Busch was driving for the team, Kurt had openly stated that Barney had uh, refused to, to take on sponsors because he wanted Furniture Row on the car, his company, when the car went to Victory Lane. Yeah, hindsight being 2020, could that have made a difference today? Who well, knows? But like I said, he did it his way. 
But another uh, factor that Barney Visser cited in the closure of the team at the end of the year is the increasing costs of the alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing. It's almost convenient, isn't it, really? Yeah. And like I said, I, I, I do believe with, you know, and it's not a, not a big secret that Barney's having had some health issues at the end of last season. And I, and I think it's a lot of family pressure on it. That is a family owned business, family run business. And I think that that had a lot to do with the decision and they just got together and decided this was going to be uh, the best way forward. Uh, you know, get out while the getting's good. And, uh, you know, I, then, too, you know, you talk about it costs more to do business away from the hub of stock car racing. When you're in Denver, Colorado, you think about all the uh, the stuff with their alliance with uh, Joe Gibbs. All that stuff has to be transported halfway across the country, back and forth. Um, then you've got uh, when the cars have to go to when the chassis, you know, of course, Joe Gibbs, takes, I'm sure, takes care of a lot of that stuff. But the stuff has to be taken to NASCAR and then carried back and forth, and, and, and just, you know, parts and stuff that go back and forth. I, mean, I know the UPS truck stops stops at Joe Gibbs and stops at uh, Furniture Road Racing every day, but just the added the logistics of it are costly, uh, running a team outside the Carolinas. And that, that on top of everything else, I just think that, I think, too, that, you know, like Seth, Seth alluded to, the additional costs, I think there was a little bit of a disillusionment there. And uh, they just decided that this was the time to do it. And, uh, you know, essentially, I mean, he's going out on top. Basically, they still got a shot at winning a championship to one of the top three teams in the sport. So, I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, a lot of teams that that, that, that fold and NASCAR will uh, will have a, a – a, you know, ride the wave to the top, and then they'll ride the wave back down to the bottom. Well, that's not the case for Furniture Row. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna end it. You know, up on top of the sport. So uh, it's a way to go out. And the, it reminds me of another team that did that as well. Uh, Raymond Beadle in the 1980s. Uh, he went out, won the championship with Rusty Wallace in '89, and the next season they finished sixth in points, and then he shut the team down. Yeah. So that, you know, that's been a good many years ago, but yeah, it's, it's similar. But like I said, I just don't think, you know, people are reading a lot of th- lot into this. And we, you know, we all know NASCAR's trials and tribulations right now, but I don't think this is quite the story that people want to make it out to be that be- because they couldn't find a sponsor that they're, that they're totally going at. I don't, I don't believe that that is the case. I, you know, things are tough right now, but I think it's just a decision on the, uh, the Visser family that it's it, it's it's time to time to move on. Now, Joey, you've got a question about this. Yeah, I mean, I had a couple of things that were on my mind about it. I guess the first thing that comes to mind is um, just hearing that Martin Truex Jr. is going to end up over at Joe Gibbs, most likely, and and take over the seat. And more or less, now Daniel Suarez is the guy that's looking for a ride, which you know it's a bummer for him because. We've started to see that progression. Gone are the days in NASCAR when a rookie can come in and, and do what a Tony Stewart or a Casey Kane did. I, I mean, these guys have to, especially with this type of car that we have nowadays, they have to progressively move along. And so 
this more or less stunts his growth. I mean, we saw Chase Elliott, who's supposed to be the, the favorite sons. You know, he, he didn't get a win until his 99th start. So I, I think that to hinder somebody like that, a drive-for-diversity driver also, no less, um, certainly hinders that. And, you know, I feel for him, and hopefully he can find something that's a very good opportunity. It gives him a chance to continue to grow the way that he already has been growing. But I think to shift it a different way, you know, it wasn't that long ago when we were looking at a five-car five Roush team, and we were like, how much bigger can this get? And, and Roush could have probably fielded eight full-time entries with the amount of sponsorship money that was flowing into that place. But NASCAR put that, that hammer down and said, yeah, no, we're going to limit this thing, and you can only have so many cars. And then we started to see a few alliances tweaked and pulled here and there over the years. But to my, my I guess where I'm going with it is, you know, I don't even know if NASCAR lifted that mandate where they would say that you can have however many damn cars you wanted out there on the field and, and Hendrick could run an eight-car team and what have you to help fill the car counts because now we see a good team and a good car count drop once again. If we even have the money available within the sport to put that many cars back out there, I, I think that we're, you know, the situation with Barney Visser being a little unique and a little different on why they shut the doors, I think no matter what, the outcome is the same and that we're looking at an even lower car count in NASCAR, and it's somebody that's certainly hurting the sport with, with losing a guy like Barney Visser, who's done a lot in a short amount of time. I think the, the answer to what's going to happen as far as is Toyota's pulling the strings on a lot of this behind the scenes. Now that they have uh, they have decided that, of course, it hadn't been announced officially, but but it's it's almost a foregone conclusion that Truex and Cole Pern are going to end up at Joe Gibbs Racing in the 19. I think that they will they will uh, absorb the 95 car as a full blown uh, uh, alliance team like uh, like they did when they created that 77 car out at Furniture Row to kind of just uh, kind of house or kind of. Uh, get uh, some seasoning for uh, Eric Jones for a season. Uh, it, it'll appear on the surface as a demotion for Suarez, but he will be he will be Toyota supported uh, if that '95 thing goes through, and I'm sure he'll have adequate sponsorship to run to run that '95. He just won't be in an in its quote in-house car uh, in that case. So. Um, that's kind of looking how the dominoes are going to fall on that situation, and Seth can probably allude a little bit more uh, to that on what he's heard. Yeah, well, the rumor is that the 95 is going to be a Toyota team next year. Uh, whether or not uh, the Levines actually try to put some sort of clause so that way the alliance doesn't keep upticking in price, that there's a question about that now. But uh, the other major thing that we haven't touched on and not many have is the charter that the 78 has the money. The prize money is paid out based on the last three years of performance. Other than the 78, I don't know what other team has had the kind of performance that they have had being 15 points in 2016, winning the championship last year and likely being in the final 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner for this year that's going to be a it's going to be worth at least not more we just had a charter from bk racing a backmarker team that was really making it uh sell for two million dollars at auction so that is going to be a pricey commodity for whether it's gms racing or another team but as far as wars is concerned uh from what I've heard, Aris, uh, the sponsor, is contractually tied with Gibbs. They would not be able to move with Suarez, as in, uh, previously thought. Now, those those contracts can be renegotiated uh, to some degree. So, you know, there's a lot more. A lot more has to be worked out. But you know, Joe Gibbs always been a gambler. He, you know, he'll go out and he'll sign the top talent. And then he'll turn around to his marketing point uh, department and say, "Look, I've brought in the talent. Now it's up to you guys to find money." And and that's that's kind of how how that deal has gone uh, over there for, for, for several years. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, obviously, they have put together the, a super team. But when you see when when when, it, when we go to Daytona in 2019, with with uh, they're going to have a stacked deck. Uh, when they show up with Hamlin, uh, Truex, Kyle Busch, and Eric Jones, so uh, yeah, that's that's going to be a formidable outfit next year. So we'll see how that goes, and then still we're still waiting to see what's going to happen with the uh, with the Stuart Haas program. You know, they, they will Kurt Busch return to the forty one, or will someone else uh, replace and join Harvick and Amarola and Boyer? And just to add one more layer to that, uh, Toyota has also said that with the new Toyota Supra in the Xfinity Series that's going to debut next year, they want more than just Joe Gibbs Racing as a factory-supported team, and they have said that they'll likely have another team. So not only are they going to be expanding in the Cup Series, but they'll probably be expanding in the Xfinity Series as well. Yeah, so I mean, you know, that that leaves uh, leaves the door open for someone for another team, uh, another team to switch. I'm sure Toyota's money would make that a, a very enticing proposition for some teams, and I'm sure they'll go after teams that have the wherewithal already, the the uh, resources that uh, you know they could uh, bring to bear. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm and when I'm thinking, I, GMS for one thing. 
you know, they're building their, they have and been building their resources over a number of years. So that might be an attractive uh, thing. And then, like I said, that's just speculation on my part, but looking at teams that would be attractive to, uh, to Toyota possibly. And GMS has, uh, or was in talks with Barney Visser about possibly merging or buying the charter from him. And apparently talks either broke down or, it was either the lack of sponsorship or even the increased cost of the alliance with Gibbs. Yeah. And I think too, you know, Toyota, Toyota can do a lot of things and they're, they're powerful. They could offset the cost of that alliance if they wanted to. So, I mean, that's, 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 that's part of the equation too. All right. So Gibbs have done pretty well out of it, haven't they really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm it, sure there's it, been a little it, bit of, well, if we increase the cost of this alliance, we could get the guy that we really want here. Well, you know, and, and I had these discussions, you know, with uh, with, a, with a guy that worked over at Joe Gibbs after uh, the 78 team left uh, left um, the Chevrolet fold and their alliance with Richard Childerson moved over to Toyota and, and went into the alliance with Joe Gibbs. We were, I forget where we were, we, I was out in a social event and and one of the, my buddies that works over at Joe Gibbs was was talking about yeah how much it was going to increase their work and this that and the other and I told him I said look man I said I'm going to tell you something about that thing you you will be surprised how much you will benefit and I mean Joe Gibbs racing will benefit from your uh alliance with uh the 78 it'll be a two-way street and you guys will will benefit as much from them as they will benefit from you and i think that that pretty much came to fruition because i know that was the case at at rcr uh and richard will probably uh back me up on that the 78 guys they're a smart bunch of guys over there and uh, i think they that we had a had a good two-way flow of information and things that uh Help both teams when when uh, they were with RCR as well. When you agree, Richard? Oh yeah, I mean you know th- those guys. They had a they're in a quite a unique situation. They had the budget of a, a full cup team in many many ways without the need to to generate uh, you know build their own chassis and, and do all that sort of stuff. So they take they take the basic RCR structure and they uh, ship it over to Denver. They fluff and buff it and then go out and beat us every week. Which got a bit demoralizing, <laughs> but yeah. they, they they had the finances to be able to do that. And, uh, it was a but te- technically they shared they shared they oh, shared with us too. I mean, you know, and and and, and I, I think, think you know, I think Joe Gibbs uh, benefited from their relationship with the '78 because it up uh, it up Toyota's performance across the board. Yeah, oh, like any good alliances, and that's that's one of the reasons you do it. You know, you you get. You know, A, you get paid for producing these parts, and naturally you will make a profit on that. Uh, and, and secondly, you get, um, you know, information coming back the other way. Yeah, well, yeah, guys, we've uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about this, but there is so much to cover tonight. We've just got one hour. so uh, But let's move on a little bit, because NASCAR did have a pretty, pretty good race. Uh, down there in Darlington, we had the throwback schemes. We saw uh, Kyle Larson... Looked like he had the best of the field until the last uh, that last round of pit stops where he got, uh, you know, Brad beat him out and it ended up being a Penske one too. Now, Gray, you spent your weekend down in Darlington, so uh, let's get uh, a few highlights from the race uh, before we move on. 
Yeah, it was, it was an opportunistic uh, Brad Keselowski in both races this weekend. He won, but he we swept the swept the weekend, winning the Xfinity race on Saturday in, in somewhat the same fashion that he that he won uh, Sunday night in. He he uh, took advantage of a situation when the leaders crashed or got into one another and was in the right position, was running close to the front, was able to capitalize on that, and ended up winning the Xfinity race. On uh, on Saturday, which were I mean that was his first laps led in competition at Darlington uh, in that race, and then he and then he won, and then the next night he did the same thing. Uh, Kyle Larson had led 284 laps and had the car to beat uh, all night long. He was great on the short run, great on the long run, and uh, of course the last pit stop, uh, Keselowski's team rose to the occasion. They beat. Uh, Beat uh, Larson off pit road by the slimmest of margins. I was sitting right at the end of pit road and watched that race, and it was uh, it was a width of a bumper, and it allowed Keselowski to, to be the control car uh, at the for the last restart. He was able to uh, jump out, uh, get a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a lead, and stretch that lead out over the last twenty some laps, and was able to win the race. And I think just Larson's car uh, went away. Uh, and he wasn't able to hold off Logano. Logano got around him, but Larson still got a got a good third place finish at it, and probably somewhat demoralized by that. But still, uh, it was a, it was a good race at Darlington. Typical uh, tire degradation that allowed the field to kind of uh, accordion back and forth. There was one uh, segment during the middle of the race where um, where the seventy eight, the four, and the forty two. Really put on some spirited racing there for a while. Uh, the three of them uh, exchanging the lead among the three of them for for a bit there during the middle of the race was uh, was pretty good. But uh, great night of racing like it always is at Darlington. Darlington never disappoints. Yeah, Darlington never disappoints. It, it was a pretty good race. Yeah, you know, I, I I dozed off for a while. I was watching on TV. I, I, I won't lie. I worked all day. It was on late. Started hour late. Uh, woke up. Uh, and um, Kyle Larson was still with us. Well, it didn't miss much, but uh, then Brad comes and steals it at the end. So, But now we're up to the Brickyard, and this the Brickyard is the last race of the regular season, okay? So Keselowski had already clinched a spot in the playoffs on points. Um, the, the win for him just validates that it doesn't change anything one way or the other. But uh, there's one race to go. Uh, whoever wins that can get into the playoffs if they're not already clinched in. Seth, you've done all the number crunching. Who is who's on the outside? Who's on the inside? Um, who's uh, uh, feel safe? Who's desperate to get in? And who do you like for regular season champion? Well, there's only two drivers that are currently in but not locked in, and that is Jimmy Johnson and Alex Bowman. In order for the two of them to make it in, as long as there's a repeat winner, Johnson would have to earn 37 points if it's a new winner. Bowman would have to finish in the top six if there is a new winner. And he would have to outpoint Jimmy Johnson by at least uh, 20 points. Otherwise, and, and given Jimmy Johnson's performance lately, might not be that tall of an order. Just saying. Other, Yes, and otherwise, everybody else who's not already locked in, so that's Stenhouse, Newman, Menard, Suarez, McMurray, and a host of others, 
have to win in order to get in. As far as the regular season championship is concerned, it's down to two drivers, Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick. Kyle Busch only needs to earn 22 points in order to clinch the regular season championship. He has a 37-point lead right now, so essentially he has to finish in the top 20 to clinch, no matter what Kevin does. And that uh, regular season championship is worth what to him uh 15 bonus points. Yeah, that's pretty big. And second would only get 10 bonus points. Okay. And is there a cash award with that as well? I know there's a trophy, but is there a a nice big paycheck? I think there is. I want to say it's... uh, I want to say it's $100,000, but I don't remember exactly what the amount is. How does cook drivers don't get out of bed for $100,000? So it's probably more than that, but again, I just don't know what it is off the top of my head. Okay, I didn't know either. That's why I asked you. So so, so we're headed to the Brickyard, and one of the, the, the nifty things about the Brickyard this year is they built a dirt track out there in the Snake Pit area of Turn 3. Um, they... Uh, you know, ran, ran some laps out there last week. They ran some laps there today. They got little grandstands there. They're going to open the turn gr- turn three grandstands um, to to where you get kind of a distant view uh, because they're they're feeling like the uh, the grandstands, the little grandstand around the track is going to fill up. But this has generated a lot of excitement. It's one of the richest dirt dirt races uh, out there with a seventy thousand dollar prize for the winner. There are upwards of one hundred cars entered for this. One hundred eighteen. One hundred and eighteen, and it's going to be the the BC thirty nine race in in honor of Brian Clausen, who lost his life uh, a while. Atlantic Castle is going to be in there. Connor Daly will be the lone um, IndyCar entrant represented in there, but. Um, uh, who else is going to be in there? Are we going to see, is Kyle Larson going to hop in there? Uh, well, or? Larson was entered. Uh, from what I heard, uh, he may have backed out. I don't know. Uh, I know Justin Marks is, uh, was talking about running. Uh, Justin Allgaier is going to be running. I think Alex Bowman is going to be running. You have a couple of, you have a number of dirt, uh, regulars running. Logan Seavey, who just won the Arca race this past weekend. How about uh, how about our friend Jeff Andretti? I or, no, not Jeff. At, um, Jared, Jared Andretti. I believe he's on the entry list. Yeah, and also yeah. on the entry list is uh, Carson Earnhardt Elledge, the granddaughter of Dale Earnhardt Sr. And she's a regular over at uh, Millbridge, Millbridge Speedway. Yes. Uh, uh, so yeah, you know, and I would, I would, I was surprised that uh, Christopher Bell was uh, was not entered, but um, but there's a lot at stake for these guys right now this time of the year. Uh, you know, uh, Christopher Bell is, is vying for an Xfinity championship. Kyle Larson is vying for a for a Cup championship. So as we get down to the start of the playoffs for both of those divisions, I'm sure uh, that has that has to factor in. You know, when when it comes to their involvement in these extracurricular things, so, well, that probably looks. But it'd be a big show. You know, Indy Indy used to turn this thing out like a speed weeks type thing when the Cup cars came there, and uh, there was a lot of stuff. In fact, not to get too far away from it, but I'm hearing that uh, Raceway Park is going to get an influx of some money and is going to upgrade uh, their facility and quite possibly NASCAR racing. And it could return to IRP 
uh, at some time in the future. So we'll see how we'll have to follow that story and see how that goes. But uh, yeah, it, it hopefully they can you know with the change in the in the uh, in the date for the Brickyard 400. Hopefully uh, you know it won't be so uh, so hot up there, uh, and we'll we'll have we'll be able to get a good crowd along with the the, the uh, positioning of it on the schedule as a as a last race before the chase. So it you know. Could uh, could create a lot of drama up there, and uh, we'll just have to see what happens. The only thing that worries me is they're they're going up against the opening week of the NFL, and that could be problematic. Yes, and and, and the Colts have a home game the same day. So, and, and, and I think they said NASCAR had wanted a Saturday race, or or the Speedway had wanted a Saturday race, one or the other. I don't know if it's NASCAR or the Speedway. Uh, to not compete with the Colts playing at home, but uh, I will. We'll see. I mean, the, the the Brickyard has been a struggle to to get folks in the stands for you know, about the last five six years. I mean, prior to that, it was a very viable event. Um, the first couple of years they had it, they they actually outdrew the Indy five hundred. Um, you know, during the split years, but. Uh, I, I, you know, I applaud them for trying to just throw more gimmicks at it. Uh, I don't know if it'll fill the fill the stands, but uh, you know, as long, as long as they 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 make some money, put it on a compelling race, and 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 this will decide who's in the chase. Yep. Yeah. I, and just, it, I just worried as going heads up against the, the NFL, and, and like you, Frank, the Saturday race to me would have made 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 a great deal uh, of sense. At least that you know they they would only be going up against college football, which is you know, which is which is strong enough. Yeah. But uh, we'll just, like you said, we'll just have to see what what goes on. And I'm sure we can. They will they will examine that and adjust for it later. All right. So let's uh, let's make some picks for the quick <laughs> picks for the brickyard real quick. Because um, so we because we got so much other news to uh, kind of digest here and talk about. So uh, Joey, I'll start with you. Who do you like for the brickyard? Eric Almarola. And Richard? Chase Elliott. And Gray? I'm going to say, you know, there's going to be some guys up there trying to pull out all the stops and do it. I, I tell you, I'm going to say Kyle Larson's going to rebound from uh, from a disappointment uh, at Darlington and, uh, and, and punch his ticket to the chase with the win up there. All right. And Seth? Truex. I mean, after last year, every time he had bad luck, he ended up in victory lane. So what else is new? <laughs> what else is new? Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna go with um, Kurt Busch. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not? I mean, he's he's already and he's already clinched the spot. So uh, nothing exciting about that pick. So, but anyway. So, um, what do you guys want to dig into next? Uh, the this Portland race or the um, the events at Monza? First guy to speak up gets to talk. Monza. Okay, Richard. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the Ferraris stumbled at Monza, or yep. were, or were stumbled upon, however you choose to yeah. take it. So, but uh, let's uh, uh, give it give us a quick rundown of Monza, where we saw all the potential in the world of Ferrari uh, end up with Hamilton winning. Yeah, it goes back to some of the comments we made last week ahead of the race about the fastest car winning. Uh, race it hasn't happened too often in the last few months in Formula One, and again going to the Monza, you, you, you saw exactly the same thing there. 
the Ferraris dominated practice and uh, or the dry practice when they had it and and qualifying. The Ferrari had a front row lockout with uh, Kimi beating uh, Sebastian by a pretty small margin. There, a little bit of um, unhappiness, should we say, in the radio communication from Vettel, saying you know, implying that he maybe should have had the had the toe from uh, from Kimi uh, during. Uh, during that last round of qualifying to try and uh, get ahead of there. But, you know, Ferrari front row lockout at Monza, you can't get much better than that, no matter which way around it is. So off the start, you're always going to turn one. You have a little bit of a, um, you know, drivers with broad shoulders there trying to force the way through that tight first corner. You saw Pierre Gasly didn't even make it to the first corner. He got uh, squeezed out by uh, by two guys out of the side of him and didn't have his front wheels intact by the time he got to turn one. So that... Uh, that slowed him down, but it was up into the uh, turn, I guess it's 4-5, I think, uh, complex there where uh, Hamilton went round the outside of uh, Vettel and basically they just squeezed each other. And I think if you look at it closely, uh, Vettel is on the inside and he goes over the inside of the, the left-hand turn there into turn four. Um, he, he sort of gets a little bit... Uh, oversteery on entry and uh, as he hits the curb the, the sort of rear of the car steps out and he pretty much just slides into Hamilton I, I don't think it was really Hamilton turning in on him I think if uh, if Vettel had uh, had a little bit more control of the car going uh, into the left-hander there they probably would have just about made it through the corner together uh, so not, I'd call that a racing incident. There certainly was no malice, I don't think, on Hamilton's part. It was just hard racing. Uh, that dropped uh, Vettel back to the, uh, to the tail of the field. Now, Kimi was able to maintain his lead um, you know, through that first, uh, first few corners in the first lap and pull away a decent lead over, over Hamilton and, uh, and Bottas there in third. But uh, Mercedes played the, the, their hand perfectly. They were in a position where they knew that with two cars at the front, they could cover whatever Ferrari did, and and they were pretty much guaranteed to beat them. You you saw a little bit of dirty tactics, I think, by Mercedes pulling their guys out into the pits, which basically bluffed um, Ferrari into pitting. So Kimi pitted relatively early in the window for the... Uh, for the soft tyre there, and, and Hamilton stayed out for another five or six laps. There was no way that Hamilton could could maintain Kimi's pace. What it did mean is that towards the end of the race, Hamilton was going to be on fresher tyres, and with a combination of that and keeping Bottas out there longer, Bottas basically backed Raikkonen into uh, Hamilton, and uh, by the time Bottas had pitted, Hamilton, you know, Raikkonen was basically a kid, uh, sitting duck for, for Hamilton there, and uh, with about, I think it was about 10, 15 laps to go, Hamilton got past. Um, Raikkonen's tyres were destroyed because he had to push so hard on them early to, to sort of keep that gap. But, um, yeah, unfortunately for, 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 for Ferrari, they just came and stuck again. I mean, it's, it seems to be the, the the case of this championship. It's who makes the least number of mistakes is going to come out on top. And, uh, you know, so far through the season, you look at, um, I was going to say Manny Cole, then at Paul Ricard, where um, Sebastian got together with uh, Bottas and, you know, cost himself spots there at the end of the race. 
Um, you know, it's mind you saying that, you know, Hamilton had a, a similar situation at Silverstone. So it's all about damage control and damage limitation. And yeah, Mercedes played from a strategy standpoint, played their card perfectly this last weekend. So yeah. Fair play. So now, Richard, what's the, what's the points gap now between, um, Vettel I think it's and 30 Hamilton. points. It's more than one race. So it's more, more than one race now that they would, Vettel had tightened it up. And now, uh, you know, yeah. on a weekend where he should have, just destroyed Hamilton. Yep. All that opportunities lost, and the you know Italian fans booed Hamilton. That nah, was silly. Oh, you should no, you should boo the guy you don't like. I know, I know. <laughs> Kimmy, Kimmy had a thing. He uh, Kimmy said uh, the uh, fans should not boo the drivers. I don't think that is very good when they boo the drivers. But hey, you know what? Booing drivers that win a lot. Um, is it's part of racing. It's been there as long as yeah. uh, as long as I can remember. So, uh, so where are we off to next, Formula One wise? Uh, so there are now. That's the European season finished with. Uh, so they're off to Singapore in uh, two weeks. Um, okay, so again, a week off, and then to Singapore, yeah. and the so on you, on you again. That, the on again. You look at that, and you you say that probably this is the big race for Ferrari. If they can beat Mercedes, and you'd expect the Red Bulls to be up there, you'd expect Red Bull on a circuit like Singapore that is a traction circuit, you know, top speeds are relatively low, you would expect Red Bull to be able to go um, up there toe-to-toe with, uh, with Mercedes. So uh, the, the only downside from Red Bull's perspective is that... Uh, uh, Ricciardo went through two engines in the space of a couple of days at Monza, and depends how they run that. They may go with a new spec C engine, but that would mean him starting down the grid, or they may go back to the old spec B engine, which still has some races left on it. They may decide that that's the better tactic for uh, Red Bull going into uh, into Singapore. But I mean, a circuit like Singapore, it's a marginal difference. I think the spec B to spec C. Yeah, so, I, I mean, on, on the offshoot, we've got a week off, so we can discuss more about Singapore next week. But um, sure. the, the on-again, off-again saga of uh, Kimi, Kimi is going to yeah. be back with uh, Ferrari. Uh, Charles Leclerc well, is going to be Ferrari. Now it's swung the other way. Now it's back to uh, Kimi's out and Charles is in. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, and, it's, and, and it's because we want to honor the wishes of uh, Sergio. You know, so yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, uh, unfortunately, I think at that level of auto racing and that level of motorsport, there's no real room for sentiment. I think that yeah, yeah, the, the natural progression and changing of the card. I mean, you know, could this be Kimi is is a fantastic driver. One of the, in terms of pure car control, uh, I think if he'd had a better application of his talent, I think he would have won more championships and more races. I think that he's I, I think he's he's fantastic in so so many ways. Apart from getting the job done, unfortunately, it's, it's a horrible thing to say. But he should have. Uh, the, level he, he, he's more. still a world champion. Still a world oh, champion. Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? He's I still. Mean, he's I mean, he threw it away. Well, he well he stuck one in. Yeah, but he's got one. Yeah. So. Oh, but for sure. but, but 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 in other real drivers' news that we know to be true, yeah. um, Stoffel Van Dorn is off McLaren. And, and um, Lando Norris is Lando in. Lando Norris is in, yeah. It's so. interesting the comments from Zach Brown about that. It's almost as if they didn't want that move to happen this year. 
But um, Zach Brown said, well, look, if we didn't move now, then somebody else would have taken Lando Norris from under our noses, you know, a Toro Rosso or a Hat or somebody like that. And we want to keep him in-house. So our hand's been forced by these other guys. Because there was the rumours of uh, Lando Norris replacing Brendan Hartley at uh, Toro Rosso earlier in the year. So they're almost like, well, we didn't really want to do this and we're going to do everything we can to help Van Dorn get a drive somewhere else. Um, I, I, I think Lando Norris is a huge potential. Is he another Lewis Hamilton? Probably not. But I think the guy has some real potential. Um, so we'll see where that goes. I mean, the other guy that is coming through the ranks and hasn't really talked about as much is, is the Mercedes young driver, the George Russell, who is, is going head-to-head with Lando Norris for the uh, Formula 2 title. So there's certainly a, a good batch of youngsters coming through. It's just the politics of placing those in, um, in, in some of the junior teams. Yeah. Now, Joe, Joey, you want to jump in on this conversation, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I like silly season stuff. But uh, <laughs> I, I guess just kind of briefly to kind of throw on it is, you know, with the, with the we all know that Lance, that, uh, Lance Stroll's eventually going to end up in a Force India with, with his dad's situation and racing point and all that, mm-hmm. um, which means they probably keep Perez because Perez brings the money uh, in that situation, which kind of leaves <laughs> Esteban Ocon, the odd man out. Mm-hmm. And you kind of wonder how desperate... Mercedes would be to hold on to him. Would they chuck him at Williams and, and put him through that and try to help rebuild Williams and that Mercedes program with Patty Lowe? I don't know. Uh, we know Red Bull, Torosso, they usually deal in-house. There's talks of them looking at Jean-Eric Verne and, and uh, Kavat to bring back on again instead of looking outside their own walls, which yeah. kind of brings me back to, to this. is If I'm Haas, and if I'm not going to look at any American driver that – Honestly, any of the IndyCar Americans that come through this, come through here, like Justin Newgarden and Rossi, certainly at least warrant a phone call. Um, I would probably look at teaming Van Dorn alongside Magnussen because mm-hmm. Van Dorn is—he's not a Hampton or a Kimi or a Vettel level talent uh, by any stretch, and he's a little older and a little bit more seasoned. But he instantly reminds me a lot of Ricardo, and I think that if mm-hmm. the car is there. When you look at his natural progression and what he's been able to do, he's won on every level. And there's no reason to think that he wouldn't be able to attribute those things. And he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's not a guy that's going to force the issue. He's going to take care of the equipment nine times out of ten. I think he would be the perfect complement to Magnussen over at Haas. Sure. Yeah. Just- I think you... I think that you know, Haas probably needs a little bit of shake-up there in their driver lineup. Um, I think Grosjean's been a bit... I don't know. It's just underwhelming, I think, is probably the, the first statement. And he's been a bit unlucky, but also you make your own luck in motorsport, don't you, a lot of the time. But uh, I think, you know, seeing Van Dorn in there, I think keeping him in the series is important because then, then you, you've got to justify these young driver development programs. If you keep swapping and changing them every few minutes, yep. what's the point of it? I mean, we talked about the long term on the Red Bull situation. It's all well and good being in the Red Bull young driver program, but the only benefit of being at Toro Rosso is being in Toro Rosso when a Red Bull drive becomes available. If you're there and there's no Red Bull drive, then like Jaime Alasquari and, and some of those guys like that, you just get moved to the wayside, which is, and Jorik Verne and guys like that. It's pretty unfair on them because Verne's a fantastic driver and he's even said that he's had a couple of Formula 1 teams talk to him about 2019, following on from his Formula E uh, exploits. And he said, said that Red Bull isn't one of the, or Toro Rosso, Red Bull isn't one of those teams. So 
you know, obviously things have changed quite a bit in the last month or so since he said that, so nobody really knows who that could be. But, uh, you, you know, this, you know, are you going to start to see this young driver program start to fall apart? Because as uh, Hamilton said, you know, if you've got guys like Esteban Ocon out of a drive, then what's the point of doing it? Yeah, no, and, and I think that it speaks volumes on the Van Dorn situation too because, you know, he won the, the GP2 championship, now called F2, um, and he could have easily transferred out. I think it was in 16 he ended up winning that thing. And he spent he spent 17, if I recall. Or no, I'm sorry. He's, it's 15, yeah, 15 he won 15, yeah. And he ended up spending 16 in Super Formula <laughs> because yep. they didn't have a seat for him. You yep. know, they just didn't have the space to accommodate. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate, and I agree with you, that, that something's got to be done to, to help make sure. Unfortunately, there's not enough seats to go around. So, But somebody like Van Dorn certainly warrants the seat uh it's just you know that's that old adage of you know do you have talent or do you have money mm-hmm. and, and yep. essentially you need a little bit of both but i think you'll see ocon in a williams next year yeah you won't see him in a mclaren nope. so <laughs> they, they said that uh, mercedes box was uh the one box that didn't need to be ticked so but guys let's talk about indycar indycar was at portland um indycar also announced their schedule and just really quickly, uh, Circuit of the Americas is going to replace Phoenix on the IndyCar schedule early in the season. Um, and that has drawn a little bit of ire out of Eddie Gossage at uh, Texas Motor Speedway. Because uh, he's also not thrilled that uh, Formula One's first draft of the schedule has the um, U.S. Grand Prix later in the season going head-to-head up against his um, uh, NASCAR date. So... Uh, He's not through. He said IndyCar only talked to him about a street race in Austin, but uh, not about going to Coda, which I don't know what difference it would uh, make. But massively uh, naive of him if he really believed that. I'm sorry. Well, exactly, exactly. But I think I think Eddie Eddie's starting to uh, he's he's getting it. Uh, uh, realizing that the world doesn't revolve around the Texas Motor Speedway. But uh, that being said, so uh, IndyCar. Uh, Portland for the first time put on a put on a pretty darn good show. Uh, sold out uh, from what I was under from what I understand. Great crowd on hand. Um, little little incident at the start. More than a dust um, that Scott Dixon gets involved in. Uh, Scott Dixon who's running for a championship. And Joey, you were at the race, so I'll let you take it from there. Scott Dixon is mired in a in a first lap crash. Yeah, so um, everybody, 25-car field, uh, pile down into turn one, go through two, and you're coming through three, and it looked like Veach, maybe uh, Zach Veach, squeezed Hinchcliffe a little bit, and they they collide. Uh, Veach goes on, but as Hinch gets turned around, Graham Rahal, Ed Jones, uh, hopefully I'm not forgetting anybody, uh, obviously Scott Dixon, and then Marco Andretti, who faced the worst of it. Um Dixon was kind of in the middle and somehow didn't get much damage other than a few scrapes to the nose of the car. And he kept, uh, the, car, Marco, and he kept the car running. And he kept the car running. Um, literally, whatever racing god looks over him is got to be like pretty much the best one you could ever hope for. Because he went on to, to end up finishing fifth. So not only did he get in a, ra- in a, in a wreck like that where it wasn't just normal. All these cars are colliding. Marco Andretti gets clipped, goes over the roll hoops of a couple of cars, scrapes the helmet lightly of, uh, lightly being a figurative word here, uh, of Ed Jones, and then ends up tipping over on his lid. 
Uh, luckily, nobody got got hurt or anything like that. It was a pretty scary incident right out of the gate. And um, but Dixon would continue on to go finish fifth, and it, it really was interesting because at the end it looked like it was going to be Alexander Rossi domination day once again for the fourth or fifth time this year. The guy was out front, led 32 laps in this race, uh, but a mistimed caution coming back out. He ends up finishing eighth, uh, so behind Dixon. So if I recall, he trails 29 points going into the final round in Sonoma. Um, so if Dixon finishes anything better than third, he wins. Uh, but if he finishes third, there's little circumstances and bonus points where Rossi could take it if Rossi goes out there and does his thing does Rossi things we've seen this year. Um, the only two other drivers that are actually eligible for the championship are Will Power and Newgarden. And, you know, they're going to need some help. Essentially, they're going to need Scott Dixon and, and Rossi to finish in order last and next to last. They're, they're going to need Rossi and Dixon to take one another out in the opening lap. Exactly. Yeah, in some, so, in some but, yeah so, but we've got, like I said, we've got a week off between we go to Sonoma so we can talk about uh, championship clinching scenarios next week yeah. uh, because we're we're running out of time here, and I still want to talk about uh, the Spanish guy that uh, drove the uh, Andretti car in Alabama today. But uh, but but real quick, hats off to race winner Kumasato. Um, the guy has been in the series for what, nine years, and uh, this is his third win. He's got uh, one win on a street course, one win on an oval, being Indianapolis. And now, uh, one win on a um, natural train road course. So, uh, no, good on to Kuma. Right place, right time. Um, very patient. Uh, played out the strategy. Uh, his strategy worked well for him. Uh, held off a charging Ryan Hunter Ray at, uh, at the end of the uh, at the at the end of the day, and uh, took the win home. So, good job to Kuma. Yeah, I mean, you know, on a three-stop strategy, no less, he goes out there and, and wins this race. Hunter Ray was on a two-stop strategy um, and ends up being the guy that has to chase, which is kind of weird. But I think the two most impressive runs outside of the obvious being Dixon uh, of the day, Sebastian Bourdais walled it in final practice, uh, essentially had a Frankenstein-type car, as he called it, uh, in qualifying mashed together from all three of the crews, goes out there and lays down a lap to get in the fast six. I think he qualified fourth, if I remember right, and goes out there and gets the final step of the podium. Probably the oldest podium that we've seen in IndyCar, you know, in a long, long time. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hunter yeah, Ray yeah. makes up the... Yeah, Gasato's 40, right? Uh, yeah. Hunter A's 37. Yep. And then... Um, Borde is 39 or 40, yeah, so yeah. Um, good, good job for Spencer, the old guys. Yeah, and then Spencer Piggott, shout out to this guy. I mean, he gets the first full season nod. We've seen some good runs out of him, and he quietly worked himself into a fourth place uh, finish. So really incredibly impressed with his pace this year. Uh, but collectively, uh, you know, like you said, Sato, hats off to him because he did have the strategy at Gateway to probably fuel mileage and everything to be the guy to win if the caution fell the right way in Gateway. And they somehow turned it into a situation where a week later, here we are, three-stop strategy getting the win. Bam. So that being said, um, the Monster Road to Indy wrapped up their um, season, uh, crowned their champions. Last year we had Monster in there. Um, it looks like uh, Padma Ward and... Um, Colton Herta 
both going to make their IndyCar debut on Sonoma uh, with Harding Racing. So, what's the what's the long term um, projection looking like for the Mazda Road to Indy? Joey, you wrote you wrote a great article uh, that's an IndyCar.com covering the um, the banquet and the all you know the thanks and thanks to Mazda. Uh, but uh, we just, we got a few minutes left. But uh, let, let's talk about this latter series and um, what we might expect in the, in the uncertain future of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think the future is going to be fine for for them. I mean, I think Dan Anderson, CEO of Anderson Promotions, which runs the Mazda Road to Indy and essentially operates the first two, um, you know, I think they're going to be fine. I, I think that when we look at the grand scheme of things, the car counts are starting to come back up in Indy Lights with the recent announcement of BN Racing today uh, and some other ones in the future coming. Um, you know, and I think what's awesome about this situation, even though it's also something that, that brings a lot of people to tears, uh, you know, I mean, Mazda banged out uh, over $12 million in scholarship money and influenced over 250 drivers throughout the ladder system. And, you know, they, they made up 25 drivers in the 33-car field in the Indy 500 this past year. So the influence of Mazda couldn't be overstated enough with what they've been able to do. And I love the fact that even though they're they're pulling out of this situation with with the Mazda Road to Indy uh, and just becoming the Road to Indy, that Mazda is going to continue their commitment for at least next season, where the winners from this year are going to run sole red colors. They committed the scholarships for the rest of this season that'll transfer over to next year. So those those are encouraging things. Um, I think the Road to Indy, especially Indy Lights, with this five year agreement with IndyCar to help stabilize a few things and to bring together that marriage together. Um, I, I think it's going to work out great, and I'm interested to see how everything continues to go because now we're starting to see a little bit more connection between the road to Indy and IndyCar. I mean, these IndyCar guys are taking notice. I mean, Hinchcliffe knows exactly who Oliver Askew is, so um, you know that kind of attention is great for the series, and it's great for the development of the series, and every, that's the reason why they have world talents at the youth level that are clamoring to get an IndyCar. Yeah, we've got all these great talents, but at the same time that the Road to Indy is searching for a sponsor, so is the IndyCar series. So hopefully, somebody will step on board there. They now, you know, every time I talk to um, um, what's his name, <laughs> guy that runs the series, he's uh pretty optimistic that he's got something something in line there. So. Uh, uh, hopefully we'll we'll get all this sponsorship stuff uh, worked out and keep the series going. But um, just got a few minutes left. But there was uh, Fernando Alonso in a uh, Andretti IndyCar at Barber today. Uh, it was uh, popped up on you know Twitter. He's running um, the the, the uh, green and blue uh, Munoz car from Indy. Uh, he said he really enjoyed it. Um, but at the same time, he's saying this uh, this test has no impact on his future decision. So, uh, Joey, what are you hearing? I mean, is is this is Alonso in a fifth Andretti car done deal, or are we just still playing games? I, the the fifth Andretti car is interesting. I mean, certainly with some other things, the moving parts available there with with that we've heard in the future and the rumblings about Colton Herta and Pato Ward, this could certainly open up that possibility, but. I think that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think it did impact him. I, I think it's important that he, he leaves this with a smile on his face. He enjoys ro- racing, uh, road racing in particular, 
at places like Road America, at places like Barber. We're going to Laguna Seca. And we're going to Coda, which is, you know, the Road America of the South, as I'm going to call it. Um, you know, it has everything you could want in a racetrack, more or less. And he's run there before. So I think that he is ultimately going to be making a decision soon on, on his full-time progress with this. However, I wouldn't expect an announcement until probably the U.S. Grand Prix. So, I mean, what is that, mid mid to late October? I think mm-hmm. it kind of aligns when, you know, Andretti or whomever else is going to kind of be partnering with him can make the formal announcement while he's still here in the States doing things, and they can do it on a big stage, an F1 stage. So uh, that's kind of my anticipation. But Alonzo does Alonzo things. And, uh, I, you know, he's a little unique when it comes to that. But props to him for being able to do something with an IndyCar road course. Barber's a fantastic ability. Uh, great track, and it's beautiful. Uh, you know, Mr. Barber does a great job with that with that facility. And if there was one track that you could pick to go run to, that's as scenic as that one. That, that's so scenic, it's certainly that one. Yeah, and the word on the street, you know, if you believe uh, here, is that... Uh, his times in the dry session were just a few tenths shy of uh, Joseph Newgarden's pole time. So, which, um, which if that's true, that's quite encouraging. But uh, you know, you wouldn't expect. Would you? Uh, would you expect anything else? No, no. But I, but in a short time to get the car up to speed that you're familiar with, yeah, it's actually quite impressive. Whether he's Alonzo or not, so. I remember the old. Uh, was it Senna's test out at Fire, Firebird or wherever it was in the eighties or nineties? Nineteen ninety-two. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, that's Santa. So, all right, yep. guys, <laughs> we are just about out of time. So, uh, um, I, I'm gonna give you all one final thought that you have to give me in two seconds. Wait, two second final thought. I don't have one. Okay, Richard. Uh, I don't have one. All right, Seth. None here. Man, you guys are awful. <laughs> Actually, I got a final thought. I got a final thought. Oh, too late. It's Gray's turn. Well, fine then. Looking, looking forward to uh, Indy and seeing what that'll bring and getting us ready for the playoffs. All right, Joey. Gray is the only person looking forward to that race. Um, so I think that uh, I'm excited about Coda being on the IndyCar calendar. I'm excited about Laguna Seca. We, we touch our roots while we also look to the future. Uh, and I think Coda putting – Putting two markets in Texas makes a lot of sense. I know Eddie's maybe not happy too much about it, but I also think that this is encouraging because this is going to make, now that there's a four-year agreement with TMS, this is going to make Eddie kind of step up his game to what he already has been doing. and He's already been doing a good job with everything, but I think this is going to really push the limits to see who can do what for IndyCar, and I think we're going to get the best out of, uh, of both worlds from Coda and from TMS. So uh, exciting times, and uh, I'm excited to get down there in March. Oh, yeah, I mean, you're going to have a blast. I, I might join you there in March. So, anyway. I do one thing, one very, very quick thing. If anybody's interesting, check out a website called orouge.engineering. It's a little side project of mine. Okay, we'll do that, yeah, orouge.engineering. Correct. All right. How do you spell that? E-A-U-R-O-U-G-E dot engineering. Just for those that are illiterate. Do you want engineering as well, or are you good with that? I, I think I can figure that one out. I can Google that one. <laughs> I want to thank you, Joey, Richard, <laughs> Seth, and Gray, for coming on the show tonight. I want to thank uh, the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and I want to thank iHeartRadio for hosting us. Um, and I want to thank all you folks that tune in and listen to our nonsense. 
week in and week out, and we'll talk to you in a week. Uh, until then, enjoy the races. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 